I listen. I can feel it. I experience it. And I breathe it. This is music to me. And who am I? My name is Nina, and I'm a music lover. And I'm about to take you on a journey into one of the craziest industries in the world. is connected by frequency hello music lovers my name is nina and i'm taking you again on a journey into the music industry first i want to thank you all for the great messages and comments you send to me every day this truly means a lot today i will talk to the multi-platinum selling artist who has been in the music industry for over 20 years initially as a member of the globally renowned band and then racking up millions of streams both as a solo artist and one featuring on global hits with huge names in the electronic music industry. His vocal productions have also featured on Grammy-nominated albums, commercials, TV shows, and in blockbuster movies. But before we start, you know what I need to ask you, right? If you like this show and you want to support me to continue doing it, please make this easier for me via Patreon or PayPal donations. All the information will be written in the video description and on the Connected by Frequency Facebook page. And of course, don't forget to subscribe to my YouTube channel, like and share this video with the world, and leave a comment if you have anything to say. This is really important, and I will much appreciate it. Thank you. Another genius singer and songwriter is joining Connected by Frequency Family. We know him as someone who wrote music for some of the most appreciated masterminds. I'm talking about Tiesto, BT, Ami Van Buren, Benny Benassi. He also collaborated with Paul Van Dyke and American singer Jess Breeden, who was in this show before, uh, Paul Walkenfold, Sebastian Ingrosso, Dirty South, Jody Visternoff. And trust me, this is only a small part of Paul Walkenfold. Well, all of those names actually are familiar to you, I guess but um, he is one of the most in-demand lyricists and vocalists in the music industry. This artist was a member of the popular British band Bibi Mack, who sold 3 million albums worldwide and has conquered both the UK Top 40 and the US Billboard Top 100. If I may add, his voice and the motivation and daily attitude he shares with his fans is something that makes you jump into the new day with the biggest smile on your face. Infusing diverse genres of music to create art that evokes emotions of excitement, nostalgia and melancholy is how he describes himself as an artist. Do you agree? I know I definitely do. With great excitement, I present you Christian Burns. Welcome, dear. <laughs> hey, how are you? Great to be here. <laughs> I'm good. How are you? <laughs> great, yeah. It's uh, actually a, it's a surprisingly sunny day here in the UK, um, which is nice for this time of year. But I'm great, I'm great, it's great to be here. Yeah, that's good to hear because over here it's a rainy day today and I don't really like it, but it is what it is, I guess. So, okay, let's start from the beginning. Uh, can you please explain us a little bit, just briefly, who actually Christian is as a famous artist and who is Christian at home when he when the curtains fall? <laughs> Right, oh, two very different people there. Um, yeah, you know, I, you know, I've been doing music since I was a little kid. You know, I've been first band since the age of, of 12. Um, 
But uh, yeah, I mean, I guess, you know, for me as an artist, I love to keep it varied. So I've done a lot of different things in my career, you know, from, um, you know, working with BB Mac and doing more pop stuff uh, to doing some more like grungy kind of rock stuff in the, in the kind of early noughties. And then morphing into some, you know, into the electronic world and, and working with people like Tiesto and all, all these, you know, great, great producers and DJs I've, I've had the pleasure of working with over the years. And, you know, when I'm at home, I spend a lot of time working on music. It's like I, I struggle to separate work from pleasure because I really enjoy what I do. And I think that's the key for anybody in this world is um, find something that you love and do it because it's going to work out so much better for you in the long run. And you're going to enjoy the whole process. So yeah, there's my little tip for the day. That's a good tip, definitely. And I, I totally agree, but it's not that easy to find, you know, that something that actually makes you feel comfortable, you know, doing and the passion maybe because not a lot of people actually have discovered what is actually passion for them. And I think it's really important to find something like that in your life. I, I think so too. I think I think people have got to ask themselves some big questions, you know, before they go into this hamster wheel of, you know, a job they don't like and they're doing the same thing every day. Ask yourself these big questions, you know, what do I love? What am I passionate about? What am I good at? Or what do I think I could be good at? And then just follow that path, you know, and do everything you can because at the end of the day, it's, it's up to you. All the opportunities are out there. Um, I think you've just got to, you know, really ask yourself those big questions because I tell you, like work and doing a job, it's a big, huge part of your life. And if you're not happy in your job, it's a big chunk of your life. You're spending not happy. So um, I'm going on now about it. I'm very passionate about this topic about doing what you love. So anyway, I'll, I'll move on. But yeah, just ask yourself those questions. What do I love? And then do it. Yes, exactly. I know what I love, so I'm trying to get get there. So, <laughs> but we will see. Okay. Um, so you have been active in the scene for more than 20 years and went through so many different music-related journeys. Um, so first, that I need to mention definitely is your band Bibi Mac. So you hit the top with this project back at the beginning of 2000 uh, when you sold out three million albums worldwide. How did this success happen? Yeah, it was a wild ride. It was it was really wild. And, uh, you know, I, I uh, met Mark and Stay out of BB Mark. We met back in 1997. And we just decided to, um, you know, let's write some songs. Let's write some songs and let's let's go and get a record deal. You know, there was no there was no Internet down there, you know, then back in then in those days. There was no Internet, no way of getting in touch with labels or anything like that. So, um we just, we got this, um, this book called the Showcase International Showbook and uh, it had uh, every address of every record company in the UK. So we just literally went down to London. Uh, I think I borrowed my dad's suits and we all had these suits on. We had these demos, cassettes made. And we went down to London and we just, we just busked outside record companies. We busked until um, yeah, someone moved us by the police, actually. I think it was Virgin Records moved us. And then you know, suddenly one person let us into the label and said, oh, this was great, guys. Come in and sing for the A&R people. So we went and sang. And then, you know, to cut a long story short, there ended up being a complete bidding war 
over us uh, and every label in the UK wanted to sign us and we ended up signing with Telstar Records and then we got licensed out to Disney which was Hollywood Records um, we went over to America and yeah the song came out and you know we worked really hard um, at doing all the promo but the song was a huge hit and it you know hit the number hit the number one spot in America for 12 weeks and we were just like blown away but it was yeah, what a roller coaster um, of a ride that was. And that was my first introduction into music. But I'll say, you know, how it came about and the success was just the drive. And, you know, just, we just took action. We went down to London and we just bust. We weren't going to take no for an answer. And I think it was a lot to do with our mindset at the time as well. And um, yeah, you know, we had great songs. It was like the perfect storm. So it all came together. Um, but yeah, fun, fun days, really fun days. Ah, you were young and crazy, so it's uh, understandable. Yeah. Still, still crazy, <laughs> but, not too much young, but still a bit crazy. <laughs> That's good, actually. <laughs> okay, but what do you think you were different than uh, any other band? Because, you know, during that time, it was crazy hype. Speaking of Backstreet Boys, for example, or NSYNC, or, I don't know, Savage Garden also was really popular back then. And uh, But you were standing alongside those bands, so you were in, in the top over there. Why do you think you were chosen, you know, by, by people? I think, um, I think it was a few reasons. I think, you know, at the time there was a lot of dancing bands, boy bands and doing all this and, you know, with the okie pokey. And uh, it, wasn't, it wasn't us because, you know, I, I, I just felt uncomfortable doing that. I'm not a great dancer. I'll just say that now, I'll be honest with you. I'm not a great dancer. So it would have been a, it would have been a disaster. Um, but we were just a little bit different. You know, we wrote our own tracks. We produced our own tracks. We wrote all our own lyrics. And um, it was just a little bit different at the time. And we, we worked with, um, you know, Oliver Lieber and John Shanks, two amazing producers and guitarists in, in Los Angeles um, when we were creating the first single back here. And they really brought this new kind of, sound to to it and which was something you weren't hearing a lot of in pop records at the time so it was just something a little bit different and like i say you know it was the hard work we put in but the, the perfect storm kind of all came together really completely agree <laughs> all right so in 2003 you split up right but there is a surprise the band got back together a few years ago and you started touring i think it happened in 2019 right if That's i'm right. not mistaken um, and a year after that, you were supposed to continue touring, but we all know what happened, unfortunately. We all know what the future, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So what is the idea for the future and the three of you, speaking of this band and touring? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, we've been working on some new music and um, the reason we got back together, you know, all those years later is because we po I posted a little video on... Um, my social media was just singing back here acoustically. And there was such an incredible response. The video went viral. There was like 2 million views or something. It went crazy. So it was obviously people missed hearing us sing together. And, you know, I love the boys so much and it's always fun hanging out with them and, and you know, going on tour and stuff. So we decided to do some more shows and some more, you know, put some more music out. So it's something that's still going on in the background. We're still working on stuff. Um, but yeah, unfortunately, COVID put the brakes on the tour um, for us this year and travel restrictions and everything else. So it was a shame, but you know, I think we've all found this challenging. I'm not, you know, we're not the only ones who's been affected by this. So um, everyone was very understanding, but yeah, it's frustrating, but it is what it is. Um, you just got to keep, keep going, keep going, be positive. Yeah. The whole industry got affected. Yeah. So 
um, what what to say on this topic? I really don't know. I mean, it's really better not to start <laughs> talking about this. It's it's never-ending story. Um, but uh, well, as I said, in 2003, you split up. So you all went in a different directions. Um, but it seems that you did the did it in the best possible way. So why am I saying this? <laughs> Some of you know, 2007 was another big year for Chris. And how was that? Well, actually, in 2006, you entered the EDM world, the electronic music, dance music world, thanks to Tiesto and his discovery of you on MySpace. And this was, <laughs> this was really in interesting because, I mean, MySpace right now sounds like, I don't know, last century thing. like an old man, I know. But can you please explain a little bit how uh, it looked like, you know, yeah, of course. I mean, well, it was, you know, I, I, we took a break. Me, me and the boys had said, like, let's put this on hold. You know, we're going to take a break. So we took a break for about 15 years. Um, and I was writing my own music. And at the time I was doing something which was like a lot of like guitars, but with a lot of synths in it as well. Like, kind of like The Killers. It was inspired by that sound of The Killers' first album, Hot Fuss. Mm -hmm. Um, which I really loved at the time. Um, this is about 2003, 2004. And uh, for a few years, I was working on this stand and I uploaded a few of these demos up to um, MySpace at the time. <laughs> yeah, if you remember it. Um, and I got a message off Tiesto and I was like, who's this Tiesto guy? He's like, <laughs> he's like hey, I really like this song of yours. I'm, can, I, can, I, can I do it? I'm like, well, no, this is my song. And... Uh, you know, um, da, da, da. I was like, who is this guy? So anyway, I said, it's my songs for release. And then the next, I think it was the next day, or a week later, I got a DVD through the post and it was Arnie, um, you know, Arnie being a dear friend of mine who, who runs Black Hole Records. And at the time he sent me this DVD and I was like, it's a DVD, and I like, put it in. And it was Tiesto um, doing a show in a, in a sold out stadium in this big DJ booth with lights all around it and like, you know, 85,000 people all going crazy and him like doing that. And I was just like, wow, this guy's the real deal. <laughs> it's like, because I wasn't into dance music in the world. So I didn't know who he was. And it was, it was pretty early days of the internet, you know? So I didn't know Tiesto and I, I checked out his DVD and I was just like, hey, is that Tiesto? Yeah, I'm just, this Christian calling you back, yeah. <laughs> I was like, hey, mate. And I, I spoke to him. I said, I'm absolutely blown away by what you've created and mm -hmm. and this kind of movement in dance music. It was really quite powerful to me seeing this, this DVD. And I was just like blown, blew my socks off. And I, I spoke to Tiesto and I said, look, mate, I said, this is incredible what you've got going on here and what you're doing. Um, so, yeah, let's, you can't, you still can't have that song because it's for my, it's my song. But what I will do, let's write a song together. And he was like, great, okay, let's write a song together. And then, you know, I wrote In the Dark, which was the first track, you know, I'd ever done in this dance. I'd never done a vocal for a dance song. And I like the trance music because I like the, the emotion in the chord changes. Um, it wasn't so happy, you know, it was quite, quite melancholy. So, um, I, I wrote this track in the dark and, you know, it went on to be a huge success and, you know, it was the lead single off his Grammy nominated album and we toured the world and it was hit everywhere. And that was the, that was the beginning for me. But yeah, that's how it all came about with me and Siesta was on MySpace um, okay. all those years ago. Well, actually, I think this is the perfect way to enter this industry. <laughs> it really is, though, you know, see, joking apart, you know, I, I teach, I, you know, I teach now as well and teach my students. It's like, 
you've got this incredible resource of networking that you can tap into at any time. You can contact labels, you can contact artists, other co-writers, vocalists. If you know how to do it right, you can contact anybody through the internet. So it's a different time now we're living in, but it's, it just shows you, you know, the power of social media and, you know, connecting with people. That's completely true. And there is a lot of platforms, as far as I know, that uh, do this kind of stuff. You know, they gather songwriters, you know, producers, uh, DJs, um, people who do mixing, for example, something like that. So you can find everything you need, for example, on those platforms. Yeah, like sound better and stuff like that. You mean. Yes, exactly. This you, is what I thought. You can do that, but you can also, you can also just go and contact people yourself. Yeah, I have yeah. a lot of success doing that myself in the, the artist direct and not always the huge artists either up and coming, you know, artists that are starting out. That's still incredible. There's so much talent out there. It's ridiculous, honestly. That's really good. Um, mm. Okay, so uh, you mentioned In the Dark, of course, that track, the first track that you did. Uh, speaking of electronic dance music, um, and I have to say this is, for in my opinion, this is um, one of the biggest album of all time, uh, we are talking about elements of life, of course. Um, why am I saying this? Actually, the, the idea of this album, as far as I remember, is to uh, combine, it's like a fusion of uh, trance, uh, rock and experimental music. So I think this was uh, the reason why you were a good fit to this kind of album. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. that's good. <laughs> That's nice. That's nice. And you, you just mentioned what that actually that you were doing before you uh, started working with Tiesto and all the other people in the industry, um, uh, that you were actually doing your music. And this is how they um, found out about you. Speaking of MySpace, first of all, because I couldn't find any information related, you know, to that period from 2003, 2006. So yeah. I guess you were working on on your uh, project. You know, yeah, I was working on stuff and I was finding my sound and I was just like kind of, you know, writing a lot of songs. I was doing a lot of songwriting and a whole lot of experimentation as well with my sound. So it was great that, I, you know, I was open to everything really, you know, I was, I really had, it was like an open book. I, I was taking all kinds of influences on and trying different things. And then I met Tiesto and that, you know, I, I love the electronic music world and you know, I've done many things in it now. And, it, you know, it was all down to Tiesto who got me into it back then. Yeah, but soon after new new collaborations uh, started to approach, <laughs> um, for example, Benny Benassi, of course, uh, Jazz. I talked about this. Uh, BT. We will talk about him later on because I think uh, this he needs to be mentioned for sure. I'm even Buren, of course. Sebastian Ingrosso, Shikane, Paul Ockenfold. Uh Why am I even trying to name them all? <laughs> I'm, I'm giving up. Like this is Mission Impossible. So, do you think there is a specific reason that this happened, or is it just about you being amazing? <laughs> I think it's just about me being amazing, basically. I think what it was, you know, it, I, I had a different approach to writing these songs, especially like songs like uh, In the Dark and, you know, some of those early songs I did in the, in the dance realm and it attracted, you know, um, a lot of other 
huge names like Paul Van Dyke, like Armin Van Buren, you know, all these other big guys who wanted to to kind of tap into that because it was a little bit different to what was else was going on um, for a male vocalist in the trance and dance scene, I suppose. Um, so I guess I just had my own way and sound and people liked it at the time. That's completely true. Actually, there is a lot of lot more female vocalists even today, you yeah. know. But back back then, it was even crazier, I think. <laughs> so well, that's that's really good. Um, so I will not ask you who was the hardest and who was the easiest to work with, um, because I know you're not feeling comfortable uh, around that question, and you try to avoid it. Uh, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> which <is> fair enough. <laughs> but I want to know how you decide uh, who you want to collaborate with it, the, is it only about how big name is it for example or there is something else more important than that no no it's it, you know obviously on a marketing side of things for an artist working with big names you know is a great way to kind of tap into other people's audience and and help spread you know the name and, and the music but I'll be honest with you, you know, the, the, the main point I work with these different people, you know, because I work with a lot of unheard artists as well. Um, like on my new album, I've worked with some incredible people. It, for me, it's it's all about like, how do we connect as two writers? And, you know, how do I feel that we click art, art you know, artistically? So it, it, we've got to be on the same wavelength because there's some people, I, 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 you know, sometimes you, you, you kind of, I just don't feel it, you know, and it's like, this is not going to work. And I might be a fan of the music even. Um, so for me, it's, it, it go, it's, it's got to be uh, on, a, on a creative level. Like, do we really connect? And do I get excited about hearing, you know, your music to write over? Do I feel inspired? Um, that's what it's got to come down to um, at the end of the day. That's logical. Everything is about the connection. <laughs> so, okay. It really is. It really yeah. is. How does it actually work in your case? Are you writing the lyrics, you know, and the, the chords, the melody, uh, and singing, of course, um, and then sending this to the producer, for example, or it is the opposite, people asking you uh, to add lyrics and vocal parts to the half-produced tracks? Well, I think it's it's kind of changed a little bit the way I work. And and, and at the beginning, um, when I was starting to write stuff in the dance world, it was kind of like I would get sent a track and then I would just, you know, fill in my vocal and just write over that. But more recent times is I, I've, I've started writing the song myself, just um, really raw on piano only, piano only. And then I write the melodies and the vocal. And then, you know, writing like this in this really raw form, um, there's a couple of reasons why I do this. It's, it's easy to edit kind of thing when you've not got a full track. Um, it's easy to edit as you go along. And also the producer then can hear the song in its rawest form and then think, wow, I can get inspired to put you know everything else around this vocal. Um, and, and also if a song stands up like that with just a piano and just a vocal, and you're like, this is great. Well, you know you've got a strong song, you know, when it's not hiding behind any other production or, you know, bells and whistles, so... My recent approach is I'll write the melody, the lyrics over a piano, and then I'll send it to whoever. Then we'll, you know, we'll work on the track together. Oh, wow. But does it happen sometimes that they're not satisfied with what they're hearing, for example, or they want something completely different? Yeah, I mean, not 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 something completely different. I mean, it's all it's all part of the process. So, you know, someone might send me a track, and then I say, um, I, then I'll butcher the track and say, right, I don't need that bit. That's gone. 
that's gone. I'm going to duplicate this bit. So I'll butcher the, just going with a hack, so to, you know, butcher the track. And then to be able to fit what's in my head and my melody. And then we send it, send it back to them and they might say, hey, can you do an extra part like this? Um, it would be cool to do some background vocals. And I say, yeah, I can do that, blah, blah, blah. And it's a part of the process then. We go back and forth until we're, you know, both parties are really, really happy with it and excited about the finished product. Um, but at this point in time, yeah, you know, I can I can actually say that people they always love it when they get it, um, and you know sometimes we tweak it um, to get it where to get it where they want. But um, you know, never because what in my whole process now, I don't if something's not great, I'll, I'll know as I'm doing it, so I won't go that far as to do a whole track that's not great. So I've, I've been having great um, success with my new process over the last few years. Um, and it's been saving me a lot of time as well. So I hope that, oh, I hope, I hope that makes sense. That, well, yeah, of course it does, but that's actually not bad. I mean, <laughs> I mean, it's not that about the process if the result is good. So no one is going to ask how it went, you wow, know, right. to get to that point, you know, to make something really amazing. Okay, I have this thing I do, like a, fe like a feature I do in, in every episode. Uh, and I hope that you're not going to hate me after this. <laughs> it's called uh, Blast from the Past or Down the Memory Lane. Okay. So I will go with a couple of your pictures from a okay. long time ago. Okay. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. <laughs> uh, actually, yeah. you are, this is the one that you posted on your Instagram profile. This is uh, your band back then in 2001. That's right. Look at that quiff I've got going on there, blonde spikes. Oh my God. Thing. Oh, this yeah. is just the start, so let me go. <laughs> yeah, this one is also nice. This, you look amazing, by the way, over here. <laughs> look at that young chap there, look at yeah. him there. Yeah, that, yeah. Was, um, yeah. that was probably around 2000, that was probably about oh, This one is like for the teenager magazine or something like that. that. Do you know what, look at that, that was in Popstar magazine in America, and that, I think that was, yeah, that was like, 2099 or something. Wow, like nice. Okay, we're coming to the more interesting <laughs> part. What is going on with the hair? <laughs> Listen, it was all a rage at the time. At the time, my hairdresser told me, he said, it's going to look good, this. Um, but now looking back at it, I look like... But um, we, but yeah, two of them, two of them were, were really, I mean, regular guys. Yeah. <laughs> but you were always different. <laughs> There's me with some crazy streaks and a Japanese um, Olympic... Top on, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, next. <laughs> this is interesting. This is Ariel Levine. Oh, you can find oh. that. I've never seen oh, that. Oh, come on. It's it's available on the internet. <laughs> if you want to find it, uh, you can find yeah, it. Yeah, that was at the VMAs. That's the VMAs with um, Avril Levine there. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I can't remember the year. Long time ago. So I guess you all knew each other, you know, from that... Yeah, I mean, you know, we were we were we were all in the same kind of um, circle, doing the same shows and stuff. Oh wow, God, I, I cracked out the eyeliner. This is the eyeliner period. Two thousand. This one. This one is the winner. This one is the winner. That's the one. Yeah. I need. I need I your full, uh, explain. Uh, full to fully explain. <laughs> How did you end yeah, up? So this was, like that, that one with the eyeliner. That was when I was doing a band project called Inhaler, and it was. Um, it was it was just me basically, but it was called Inhaler, and it's kind of rock music. And um, I've forgotten who I 
I think it was The Cure I was watching at the time. I thought, I'm going to try some eyeliner. So I got it on and I kept it for about two years. It's a, Yeah, it was it was a running joke that my mate Christian, one of my best friends now, just says, hey, uh, you've got your eyeliner tonight. So, but it was, yeah, that was, that was... Um, no, eyeliner is, is okay, but I, I'm... Um, with with hair, <laughs> like the hair, yeah, the hair was. Do you know what? It was just it, it morphed over the over those few years. It changed shape. It changed color. Did all kind. Of, I mean, look at it now. It's just going out of control. So actually, I'm I'm actually morphing into Michael Bolton underneath this hat right now. <laughs> I need to get a haircut. Um, so God knows where it'll go next. Maybe I'll get a perm and dye it bright red. Who knows? Oh, nah. <laughs> I, I think you left that that part of your life definitely. Yeah, I did. I left it. Yeah, I mean it's it's part of the growing up, I guess. And uh, when you're young and crazy, you you try different uh, kind of uh, oh, things. So it's understandable. It. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so uh, you played, of course, worldwide, including being on tour with Tiesto and Armin van Buren as well. Um, can you tell us how it was being in front of that? crazy crowd uh on at that kind of event because it's not like a concert a regular rock concert for example it's com something completely different and the fans and the, the the people who come over there to listen to that kind of music are i guess completely different so how was it for you to for the first time to stand in front of those people and sing yeah do you know what i really really i have a really vivid memory of doing um the first show um with um, Tiesto, um, it was Edinburgh, was it Edinburgh? No, it was Belfast, it was Belfast. And um, we went over to do the show and I hadn't performed for, since 2003, and this was 2007, so it had been a few years I hadn't performed. And I was used to performing in a band, you know, with, with three other people, with two other people on stage with me. So I was like, I was quite nervous. I remember I was nervous and, um, You know, I went on um, on the stage to do In the Dark and the crowd just went crazy. And within like about three seconds, the crowd just made me feel so at ease and made me remember what it was like to be on stage and how much I enjoyed it. Um, it was such an magical tour that, you know, we all had a great time, you know, all the old artists and Jess and uh, Julie Thompson, everyone, we all got on so well. We had a great time. And um, yeah, it, it was incredible going on to that crowd, you know, every night because they were so passionate about the songs and, um, you know, the huge fans of Tiesto. And it, it was just incredible for me to come back after all these years, you know, of not doing any performing to go and do the Tiesto Elements of Life tour um, was, was simply put magical, magical. That's a perfect way to describe it, <laughs> I guess. Yeah. But what was uh, the craziest crowd for you? Oh, I think, I think <laughs> um, talking crazy, I remember like Argentina and Mexico, Um, they were crazy. They were really crazy. Yeah, like uh, South America, it was, it was, it, I mean, the whole tour was pretty crazy. It was an epic show. Do you know what I mean? So even if the ones that started out and you thought the crowd were a bit more subdued, a bit more laid back, as the show went going, people would just go bananas. It was incredible, honestly, and it was such an epic like light show as well. So I think they all turned up being an absolutely crazy crowd by the end of every show. Um, yeah. Indeed. <laughs> okay. So uh, 
let's talk about your collaboration with BT. Uh, let's talk about how it started, because uh, you started working um, in 2010, I think. Um, and in the meantime, you became friends and, of course, continued working. And even now you're working on new stuff uh, and you'll definitely continue doing it. Um, so I just need to mention, because I'm not sure that uh, everyone knows who BT is, which is a shame, uh, but everyone who is in the music industry, for sure, they should know who BT is. He's a... Uh, Well, he's a genius, if you ask me, um, because he does a lot of different things related to the music. And uh, um, he is American musician. He's a DJ. He's a producer. He's a singer and songwriter like Christian is. Um, he's also a composer, an audio engineer, and he was nominated for the Grammy Award also. And he is a blockchain artist. And don't even try to ask me about this because I am not a fan of this uh, topic. But we will we will talk about this later on a little bit just to explain how this actually works. Um, so can you tell me how this started and how you connected? Yeah, well, we, we met actually, me and BT met on um, tour with Tiesto on the Elements of Life tour because um, he had a song called Break My Fall, I think. Was it? Mm -hmm. I think with, um, with, uh, with um, Tiesto. We met on tour, we got chatting and I knew of his work, you know, um, uh, prior and he knew of my work and we just hit it off. You know, sometimes you meet somebody and you just like, ah, oh, you just get really get on with someone. So we were having chats and um, we were in, we were in, I think it was Budapest and we spent like one show, we did our performance and we spent the rest of the night just chatting about music. And um, I said, listen, let's do something together. And he, he gave me this loop, um, little loop, Um, that he said, just see if you can come up with something with, I've got this little part, it's an eight bar loop. And I went back home to England and after the tour and uh, I just started working it and I ended up writing this track called Suddenly, um, which was the lead single off his Grammy nominated album, These Hopeful Machines. Yep. Um, I ended up writing four tracks on, on that album with him. And we just, it was, you know, I was talking about before about, you know, um, having that connection with someone and we just, we just work really well together when we're working on music. So yeah, we've worked together for years now, you know, since then. And we have, we have our own band called All Hail the Silence, which we went on tour with um, in 2018. And um, yeah, we're excited to, to do some more shows in the future. I can't say anything just yet, but watch this space. And we're actually working on new music at the moment as well. So um, for All Hail the Silence, which is, you know, our, our kind of passion project as well that we've got. And on top of that as well, we're launching our own label, uh, record label um, soon. So we've been busy working on our own label, which is Cassette Recordings. It's K-S-S-3-T-E, Cassette Recordings. And we're excited. We've signed a bunch of artists and we're really excited to start, you know, releasing music on our label now as well. So um, me and BT, yeah, we're, we're, we're like, he's one of my dearest friends in the whole world. And I love working with him. The guy is a genius. And uh, yeah, you didn't mention before his software he's developed as well. Like he's done yeah, a lot yeah. of, created a lot of software for, for mm -hmm. artists, like, you know, a break tweaker and stutter edit, which are used all over the place in movies and in hit songs that you hear on the radio. So yeah, he's, um, he's a very inspiring person. 
Um, yeah, and a really great friend of mine. And, you know, we, we love just geeking out together. Um, we speak nearly every day about, you know, things we're working on and stuff. And, um, yeah, wow. it's, it's just a lot of fun making music with, with BT. <laughs> yeah, it sounded like that for me. <laughs> so yes, I I can see it's it's completely the truth. So uh, you mentioned uh, all held the silence album and actually the band um, that this project ex- actually this album was created using uh, analog synthesizers without the aid of computer. Can you please explain how did this actually work and what is the idea of this? Because I'm not sure I completely understand it. Yeah, well, what what it, how it what I mean is like we didn't use computers and you know keyboards plugged into computers to create the album. We went to an old um, studio which only had old analog synthesizers, and we connected that up to a sequencer and tape machine to record all the albums. So we recorded the album like albums were recorded in 1983, the same process, the same equipment. We didn't have computers then, um, so you know it was. Uh, It was it was challenging at times, but you know we really limited ourselves to um, you know the instruments and functions, and it really helped create the sound of you know the all hail all hail the silence sound you hear on the album, um, and it sounds so legitimate um, as like you know the sounds from the 80s because we did get to use all these magical old vintage synthesizers and drum machines it was just what an incredible experience it was you know recording the album um it was amazing (laughs) amazing really amazing okay um so for you how long does it take i mean people usually ask you this of course i'm not the first one but um i know why am i asking you this right now it leads us to next questions um how long does it take for you to to write the lyrics I guess it depends. Um, do you know what? I, I, I'll be honest with you. It used to take me a lot longer than it does now. I think when you're writing lyrics, it's about keeping the inspiration going um, and not putting yourself in a box. So I, I've, I've got methods and techniques now that, you know, I can, I can now write a, a song um, in a day. So, I mean, you know, write the chord progression write the melody and write the lyrics and get it all done and recorded in, in one day now. Whereas it used to take me a lot longer um, before I had, you know, my ways and methods and processes. Um, but yeah, I think with lyrics, it's just about, it, it's about not getting stuck and finding ways to ignite inspiration when you get stuck, because there's nothing worse than just staying, sitting there looking at a blank page and just being, I'm stuck, you know? And I think, I think you know a good a good thing for people to do if they are struggling with it is to um, map out what you want to say because I think that's the main reason people struggle with writing lyrics is because they don't know what they want to say. Mm-hmm. So it's always hard. So you know that's that's one little trick um, I do is to map out what I want to say first. Um, yeah, but it, honestly, I'll be honest with you. You know, it's different every time. Some days I'll get stuck on one bit and I'll just leave it and I'll come back. Um, to it another time um, and then oh yeah it comes to me you know you didn't have to force it yeah but uh, speaking of uh, lyrics for example and you mentioned melody as well I think technology helped a little bit over there as well right absolutely yeah absolutely I mean you know the way I create melody now is uh, you know I use functions in my door to help me craft and mine for this melody and um, for the great melodies so Um, definitely, you know, computers are incredible. And I, I look at my computer now, not just as a way of capturing 
um, my art or my song, but I look at it as, a, as being a co-writer, you know, a co-writer that helps me in the creative process and a, a co-writer that you don't have to give any publishing royalties to as well. But uh, there are some incredible tools, you know, in your computer uh, that you can use to help you, assist you in the songwriting process. Absolutely. Nice. Nice. Okay. So uh, where do you find your inspiration for writing? Again, similar question that people usually do. Um, and uh, speaking of creativ creativity as well, I mean, I'm surrounded by creative people in different in industries, uh, mostly music indeed. Um, and I'm always impressed how you guys um, create something from scratch, which happens naturally. You know, and um, I do work in marketing uh, for a lot of years, and, but it's completely different. I'm not the one who creates, not in that way, um, actually. But my question is uh, whether is it, it is it necessarily connected to your lifestyle, life experience. I don't know, maybe some life goals that you have, history, yeah. I don't know. I think inspiration um, comes to me in many forms, um, in many different places. And inspiration is, is actually everywhere. If, if you know where to look for it and know what to look out for, um, you can find inspiration everywhere, you know, in, in, in TV shows, in the newspaper, in, you know, a conversation overheard on, uh, you know, a train ride, um, things that happen to you in real life. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I think it's, it's, it's knowing how to detect when there's something inspiration there. You know, and it might be something, like I say, it might be something that somebody just says to you in conversation. And if you really think back and step back and go, wow, that, that's a really great line for a, for a song. It's a really great thought, really great um, sentiment. So you've just got to be on the lookout because um, it's everywhere. And the great thing is now, you know, we've all got phones in our pockets. Um, so if you get inspiration for a melody, you can get it down your voice notes. If you hear a line in a movie and you think that would be great. Um, you know, you might see a book title and think that'd be a great type for a song, write it down your notes. Um, so, you know, just gather this inspiration. And then when you sit down to write, you can say, right, okay, let's have a look through my notes and see what bits and bobs I've got to start from here. Because starting, you know, so you mentioned starting from, from nothing. Um, starting from nothing is really hard. So, you know, if you've got this bank of nuggets of melodies or chord progressions or, or words or whatever, as a little kind of nest of things that you can start songs with, little tiny fires, um, then, you know, that's that's good practice to do that. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's everywhere. Inspiration is absolutely everywhere. But I guess focusing on details is something you need to pay attention to. <laughs> you, you need to have this in yourself, you know, to pay attention to all the details around you. Absolutely, yeah. Okay, um, so what gives you wings actually to feel free and create? Can you describe one word, uh, in one word, what emotion actually uh, your music is triggering, in your opinion? Oh, that's, a good, that's a good one. And I think, you know, <laughs> you know as much as you try and, and, and craft a song, it, you can't help but... but um, be influenced by the way you're feeling on some days. And so some days if I'm feeling happier and, and, and great, you know, I'm writing this, I like to write a lot of hopeful songs. Um, so it's not just one emotion. I think, you know, songs are, are full of emotion. 
Um, but it, it all depends on, on what mood you're in, I guess, you know, or what you're feeling like at that day. And it's because it's so easy to write your truth when you are feeling sad. It's so easy to write a sad song when you're sad. If you're happy, it's harder to write a sad song when you're happy. And it's harder to write, you know, a happy song when you're sad. Um, as, as, as professionals, you know, we have to turn it on and off. But give yourself the best chance by just go with your mood and go with what you're feeling at the day because I think ultimately that's your truth and it's always easier to write your truth. Yes, indeed. Uh, just, okay, you mentioned that generally however you feel, it's, it's easy for you to write about it. But what does it actually happen to you? Someone asks you to do something, for example, make me, uh, I don't know, happy song and you're not feeling like doing it. Do you have those moments in your life? Yeah, well, I think, I think, I mean, for me, if someone says to me, write me a happy song, I don't really write happy songs. <laughs> I sound really miserable because I, I find it can be a little bit, it can be a little bit cheesy um, to write a happy song. It's, it's a really hard thing to do actually and get it right. So I, I'd say, you know, one trick is to write a hopeful song because, you know, without hope, there is no happiness. And um, I think, you know, writing a hopeful song rather than a happy song It, it eliminates a lot of cheese in your lyrics and it gives you that great euphoric feeling still. So that's the little secret I do when I'm writing lyrics for, you know, big, you know, uplifting trance tracks and everything. I don't focus on the happy, I focus on the hope. Oh, that's a good highlight. I'm writing it down, definitely. <laughs> okay. Um, so uh, this is one significant project, of course, I need to mention that you're doing for a while. It's a Record Academy, a Record Ready Academy. Um, so we have another instructor <laughs> in this show yeah. because yeah, last time it was Dennis Shepard and he was also an instructor, uh, but he is, uh, he was doing this um, for mixing and mastering thing, you know, speaking of production. Um, but uh, you are the one who is giving the master classes, actually free master classes for uh, improving um, uh singing uh production songwriting skills so can you would you mind explaining what people can learn um from those master classes yeah um you know the reason i got into the whole kind of teaching um side of the industry is because i want to help people you know and and i didn't have any help back in the day i had to figure everything out myself and i i just wish there was like these online courses and stuff now. Um, so what happened was, you know, with the label was signing these artists and I was helping these artists that were signed to cassette recordings at my MBT's label. I was helping them, um, you know, over Zoom, like with, you know, stuff for lyrics and, you know, helping them with melody creation and, you know, the whole songwriting thing and vocal production and recording, the whole thing actually. So I thought, well, I can teach, you know, it was taking up a lot of my time to teach each individual artist. So I thought I'm going to record some videos and, And then I realized I can help a lot more people. So I decided to do the whole academy and I started last December. And yeah, it's been absolutely fantastic. I do free masterclasses and anyone can come and join. They just register. If anyone wants to join one of my masterclasses, by the way, just DM me on Instagram, the word um, masterclass, and I'll send you more info. Um, but yeah, you know, these masterclasses are great. Um, they're live, they're on Zoom. And I literally, you know, just spill a load of secrets and tips and tricks and help you, um, you know, figure out how to get great sound and recording 
vocals at home without any fancy equipment and everything else because you don't need to spend a lot of money these days. It's all changed. So I I show people how to get great sounding vocals at home. Um, I show people how to add emotion to the lyrics. Um, I show my actually method of how I write chord progressions now. It's it's changed. It's a new method I did on my last album, Love Songs from Suburbia. So I go through the method and how I craft chord progressions um, on the piano without actually being able to play the piano because I can't play the piano. So this was like a huge thing for me. I thought I've got to share this with people and let them into this as well. But you know, the whole thing with the Academy is to empower artists and to empower people, uh, you know, empower the artist within so that you don't have to rely on another producer. You don't have to rely on somebody else to write the songs or lyrics. You can do it all yourself. And um, yeah, it's been, it's been really successful um, so far. And I've, you know, I've had great, great results with my students and I didn't realize how much I was going to really enjoy this whole process of helping people and seeing people make breakthroughs, but yeah, it's, it's been fantastic and something I'm, I'm continuing to do and, you know, um, this year as well and next year. And yeah, listen, as long as I'm getting results and helping people, I'll be doing it. That's, that's really nice of you. It's actually pretty generous. Um, so uh, amazing. I mean, uh, it's, it's a good way to help, as you said, young people, because most of them are confused you know, when yeah. they're about to enter this world because there's a lot of questions, you know, you know, they don't know how to deal with this. They, they, they face this obstacle, that obstacle. So this is, I think, amazing project. So yeah, keep, keep doing it for sure. It's, it's yeah, no, absolutely. It, it, it is really helpful because I know how hard it is and it's overwhelming and you go on YouTube to find out how to do something is like, Oh, wow. That's confusing. So yeah, the, the whole goal, you know, the, the, the whole thing, like for me in lockdown, you know, everybody, you know, when during lockdown was found it challenging and everybody had their own struggles, you know, and, and me personally ha- having that skill set to be able to create songs and write music really re- was like a huge part of my escape from everything that was going on in the world. And it really helped me. It was like a therapist for me. So if I can pass on this knowledge that I've got and give other people that gift of being able to create, you know, great songs and um, then I- I've got to do it. I- it almost feels like a responsibility that I've got to do it. So, yeah. Fantastic. Great. Really fantastic. Okay. Can you share some little tips on how to eliminate writer's blocks? <laughs> Because I have a similar problem with my writing skills. I'm joking. I'm not a songwriter, but yes, I do write some things <laughs> and I definitely write those interviews. And sometimes I do have those blocks, but can you try to explain briefly what should people pay attention to when they have this problem? Yeah, I think there's a few things you can do. Um, to eliminate writer's block. You know, one of the biggest things that that, caught, that stops us from getting into, you know, what we call the flow state is, is that this is that state where everything seems easy. You know, you have like 20 minutes where you're blah, 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 and you're writing things down. It's just like, oh, wow, that inspiration, that was so great. It felt easy. It all came out. We call this flow state. And you want to get into that kind of state as much as you can. And I think the biggest thing that, that stops people from, from doing this and, and causes writer's block is distractions. And, you know, distractions are everywhere. At the moment. We've got watches that ding. We've got, you know, laptops, emails, 
phones, smartphones, everything. And if you can really, really, when you are going to create, whether you're creating a, a, you know, a podcast script or you're creating a song or a movie script, anything creative, uh, you know, the main tip I can give you is this: is just limit distractions and turn your phone in airplane mode. Um, if you, you know, tell people that you're busy and you don't want to be disturbed and give yourself that time to focus and really, really tap into that flow state because distractions are a huge problem. We're so used to having our phones with us everywhere and being connected and someone texts us and then you're like, oh, da, da, da. you know, it's it's not going to work. It's going to, it's going to, it's going to slow you down when you're creating. So, you know, if you do, you know, a lot of people have full-time jobs and they don't do music all the time and they have like, you know, three hours a week to work on music at the weekends. So you want to really protect that time and make sure no one disturbs you and you can really focus um, and that will help you get out of writer's block. But, you know, I, I have a, a gazillion other tricks um, about writer's block and how to get out of it. Um, and if anyone does want any more, you know, just DM me or something. But that's a really great one is to do that. Yeah, it's it's, it's, it's a good one, definitely. And yes, uh, uh, subscribe to <laughs> his mailing list and you will get some other tips as well. All right. Um, speaking of a writer's block, I'm not sure if you had any, but I'm sure your last album released a few months ago, Love Songs from Suburbia, smashed it. Uh, it hit number one on the top 40 US um, dance chart. How cool is that? <laughs> And even even cooler to see uh, many remixes were already made, including the one um, of the track Magic by Marcus Schultz um, that ended up on the In Search of Sunrise 17 edition that was released this year, a few months ago. Um, and this was actually totally ex expected that your track ends up over there. <laughs> so how was this for you when you found out this was super successful? Yeah, do you know what? I, I um, it, for me, I, I did. Uh, I changed my sound a lot with this album. You know, um, I, ultimately, I've been known for a lot of you know trance stuff, and um, and I, I just wanted to explore a, a, a different sound for me, something a, a little bit more deeper, a little bit more organic sounding. So it was, you know, it's a bit of a gamble when you change your sound, but I did, and and it was just like, it just filled my heart with joy when I found out, you know, I was so shocked, and Arnie from the label called me at first to say it was number three in America, I was like, wow, so I get the champagne out, and I was just about to pop the cork, and I found out it was number one, so yeah, it was incredible, um, I, and even now, you know, I've got so many kind messages about it, and about the songs, and what it means to people. And I'm just really happy it's been accepted because this, you know, like I was saying, do what you love. And this is really tapped into in this album. You know, I really tapped into what I love and focused on that. Um, and I wrote this really hopeful album uh, in, in this time of struggle, I'll be honest with you. And it was a really mm -hmm. rough time. I was going through a lot. I left Los Angeles and COVID was on. There were no gigs. I was going through a breakup. Uh, there was a lot getting thrown at me at the time, but, you know, this album came out of, of, of the dirt kind of thing. I recorded it in a temporary studio in, in my sister's uh, garden shed. And, uh, yeah, unbelievable. But this album just, yeah, it, it was great to get that response for it and to get people like Marcus doing remixes uh, for it and, and, you know, including... Not only of him, of course. Yeah, it was incredible. <laughs> incredible. Amazing. Really good job. And a really good album, I have to say, definitely. Um, so you come up from a music family. Your father was in a rock band popular in the 60s. Um, what do um, 
say about this, was the was he the one who had the biggest influence on you in your career? I think you know my dad. Um, yeah, he was in. He's, he's always been into music. He's still madly passionate about music now. He's still got logic and he creates his own songs. And I'm always helping him fix his plugins that don't work or whatever. Um, but yeah, as a, as a child, you know, my dad always had an acoustic guitar around the house. He was always singing, and you know, the, my mum and dad were in a, a group together. So I guess I was surrounded by it from an early age, and I, I just got a massive passion for music. It's it's literally everything to me, and it always has been. I've I've, I've always known that music is um, it's it's really important to me, you know, and it, it always has been. It's got like some magical powers. I really believe that, and it can. It, yeah, it's it's what a medicine music is as well. So I've always had a really close connection with music but I you know I didn't always think I was going to do it professionally no 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 I, you know when I was younger 17 18 I thought I better get a proper job now you know and do go and work in an office and stuff and then it wasn't a few years later that I decided to do it properly I thought why not why why not me you know why can't I do this I love it I love music so very grateful that I'm still doing it today um you know and I get to come and do things like this Good decision. <laughs> yeah. So if you compare the industry 20 years ago and the industry nowadays, uh, what do you like about it more and what do you miss? Um, you know, I, I think it's a very, very different industry um, than it was 20 years ago. I, I think I miss some of the mystery from back in the day. There was a lot more mystery around artists. I think Daft Punk have kind of done that recently, but there was a lot more mystery around artists. And I think now with social media and everything, there's no mystery anymore around artists, I suppose. Um, so I miss that. Um, but I've got to be honest with you, like what a time to be in the music industry now. I, listen, it, it's been a rough few years and, you know, royalties and streaming royalties, they've still got to fix that. But there are so many other exciting things on the horizon for the music industry now. So, you know, I mean, one of the biggest things is like social media and having that mm -hmm. connection, that direct communication with your fans. It's just incredible. So it, it, it's, it's, I'm really excited about the future and where it's all heading um, in the music industry. You know, there are more opportunities than ever right now. So. Okay, so you mentioned social media, for example. Do you think that everything that comes that uh, that happens over there is good for you artists, and generally speaking, for everyone? I think yeah. I think it's you know everything is about relationships. It all comes down to relationships, and I think you know social media, when done correctly with the right strategies. Um, can be a really powerful tool to help you get where you want to be. You know, in, in 20 years ago, you had to go get your guitar or whatever and do like gigs around little towns and whatever just to try and get heard. Or you had to be in the newspapers or on the radio or on a TV show or in a magazine um, or in a f movie. Now you don't have to do that. There's an opportunity, you know, you can, you can find your tribe, you can find your fans. You know, you only need like 1,000 true fans, you know, say you get 1,000 fans spending $100 a year on your vinyl, your shows, your merch, T-shirts, whatever, you know, you do the maths and that's, that's a decent wage that you can, you can make, you know, as a musician these days um, because you've got that connectivity and you can tap in to your fan base and find your tribe, your niche. And, you know, it's all in your own hands. It's all up to you. That, Incredible. That's true. 
It's true, but I always find it different uh, when comparing fans and followers. There's, these are two different, you know, terms over there because not every uh, follower is actually your fan and you are aware of that, right? Well, I don't even think about that. I don't, I, you know, I, I, I don't really think about that. And, you know, sometimes people might put comments that whatever you don't like, I don't even let them enter my head. I just like, mm-hmm. I, I ignore them. And, you know, all I do is I concentrate on the people who love my music and I nurture those relationships and I'll help these people and I'll talk to them and I'll comment with them after the, the, the you know, I'm nurturing these relationships because without the fans, you know, any artist or musician is nothing. It's not the labels that make a fan, it's the fans that make that make an artist. So it's the fans that make it. So you really, you know, it's it's a privilege to be able to do that and get to speak to them. But yeah, the haters and all the other people, whatever. I'm I'm not I'm not focused on you. Great, you can come in, follow me, and have a look what's going on. That's fine. But you know, I'm really doing it the social media for the for the real fans who love the music and who have, have, have given me so much, you know, and enable me to do what I do all my life. So it's the least I can do. Perfect state of mind. All yeah. right. So what do you miss the most during those crazy moments we're all experiencing for a year and a half, even a little bit more than that? Uh, do you mean during COVID and stuff? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What you miss, um, not not being on tour, you know, not, you know, playing live. In front yeah, of I've missed, I've, I, I have missed performing. I've really missed performing live. Um, um, I think a lot of artists, um, you know, a lot of DJs and artists have really missed that going out and that getting that that feedback off the crowd. And it's kind of like coming off a rug or something. It's like, you know, you get so used to it. Um, and it, it's a great experience. So I've really missed, I've really missed that. Um, and I've missed, you know, friends, you know, seeing friends on the road and stuff. I mean, the last, you know, the last month it's been nice. I've been down to drum sheds in London with the Anjuna people. And, you know, I was at Creamfields a few weeks ago and it, it was great to see, you know, some of my old friends and, and people who work behind the scenes and tour managers and everything. So I've really missed that kind of mm-hmm. connection as well. Um, but I'm looking forward to doing more of that in the future. I can imagine <laughs> how it felt. Um, okay, um, so uh, I think actually that you're doing pretty well, except the fact that you're addicted to Instagram. <laughs> I have to say this, and but actually this is not bad because uh, I like your videos that you post over there. As I said at the beginning, they are positive, they're motivating, and funny as well. Um, <laughs> and this is what we all need actually during um, this these crazy times. Um, but where do you find that energy to wake, wake up with a smile on your face every morning and say to yourself, today is going to be a good day, I'm gonna smash, you know, or something like that? Well, I think, you know, let's first of all, not every day is like that, you know, I'm not on there every day, but m- most days y- you have a choice, you know, um, you can either make it a good day or make it a rubbish day. And I just choose good over rubbish, you know, and it's, it's, it's a mindset. It definitely is a mindset. And I think, you know, one thing I do is, is, you know, I have a morning routine, so I'll do my morning routine. I'll go to the gym and I'll make myself, you know, a healthy uh, drink and do all my things in the morning. It really sets me up for the day. It really does. And since I started doing that about about a year and a half ago, I started working on my morning routine. That's really helped me kind of mindset for the rest of the day. So, you know, if, if you haven't got a morning routine, 
yeah, anybody listening, check it out. Maybe a little bit of meditation. Um, maybe a run, go for a run, do something really good for you physically. Mm-hmm. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, and see how you get on. That's good. Uh, meditation is not really my thing, at least not now. I, I would really love to learn it, you know, those skills. But right now I, I'm having you know, a hard time to focus on anything because my energy is crazy, you know, going everywhere all the time. So, yeah, I, I need to actually to try this. Like, That's the perfect time for you to try it. It's the uh, perfect time yeah, for you yes. to try it, you know? In, indeed, indeed. <laughs> all right. Start small, start small. Okay, uh, let's play a little game. Uh, it's it's called simply the truth. So okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, show you over here. It's like okay, I can. Okay, <laughs> this looks ominous. Okay, so over here you have you see seven numbers, and uh, you will need to choose three out of seven. Okay. And uh, behind those numbers uh, there is one question, and I will need you to answer on that question. Okay. <laughs> All right, number three. Number three. Number three says, what is your guilty pleasure? Guilty pleasure. Um, um, what is my guilty pleasure? Mm-hmm. I think um, guilty pleasure for me is uh, I, I'm obsessed with South Park. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Okay. I love South Park. Cartman, my favorite. Nice. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. All right. Uh, the next one. Uh, number number six. Number six has. Oh, what is your favorite track? It favorite matter. track? What of, of mine? Yes. Um, favorite track of mine. Oh wow, that is a really tough one. Has anyone ever answered that? Mm, um, it was hard. <laughs> Usually people like uh, all of those tracks. <laughs> wow, it's, it's really hard. I, I don't know if I can answer it. Um, I'm gonna go with. Um, do you know what? I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with a track off my last album called Tigers. Maybe oh, nice, nice choice. <laughs> all right, and the third one. And the third one is number. Let's lucky number seven. Oh, or unlucky. Seven says, uh-huh. what makes you lose your mind? What makes me lose my mind? Um, yes. Okay. Um, that's a good question. And one, <laughs> I'm trying to think what, what, uh, oh yeah. Um, Situation think, or a person or I don't know. Yeah, I'm, I'm, trying, I'm trying to think because there's so many things that... <laughs> <laughs> or animal. Think, you know what? I think um, I think getting stuck in traffic is not good for me. I hate it. So I, I've got a bike now. I go most places on my bicycle if I can get there because it's like so easy. Um, but yeah, I hate traffic jams. Um, and that's the only time I can yeah lose my mind if I'm stuck on the motorway, which I was the other week for like four hours, just stuck. I didn't. I moved like one foot. In, in, in length in four hours so i was losing my mind a little bit then yeah mm, i can relate to completely yeah. yeah i think everyone hates that so yeah. okay cool okay so um uh actually where chris and i connected in a way is actually the clubhouse app uh for those who don't know 
how this app actually works. This is actually a great platform where people from around the world come um, to together to connect, talk, listen, and learn from each other um, in real time. What is your general opinion about Clubhouse? You know, I think Clubhouse is fantastic. I think, um, you know, I joined it in January and it's been a great place for me. It was great during lockdown because, you know, it was, I was missing that conversation with people and I could go on there and talk about topics, you know, about marketing, about music and, and all that stuff without the distractions of video. I could also be in my scruffs, in my sweatpants, in my shorts, whatever. No one cares because it's just audio. And it's a real, it's a really powerful platform. And, you know, it, it, I, I go on there, you know, I, I have a club with BT. We go on there every Wednesday and Thursday, uh, 4 p.m. Eastern time and 9 p.m. GMT. And we have a Make Better Music Club um, on Clubhouse. And we, you know, we help a lot of artists on there and we're, we're giving out advice and we're listening to demos. You know, we have Elan Bluestone comes in and helps us sometimes listening to demos and we do, you know, critique for people and help them give feedback really valuable stuff so i really enjoy it i really love it um and it's a great place if you're a musician it's a great place to network if you're looking for you know a, a videographer or if you're looking for a photographer or you're looking for labels there's all kinds of people on there so if you're serious about music and um you know in the industry side of it i think it's a great place for an independent musician to be yeah, I totally agree. I mean, the first time uh, I got into this app, I actually I got invited by Dennis Shepard, because if you want to be there, you need to be invited by someone who is already active. Um, and the first room actually I entered uh, was the room where were you, uh, BT and Elon Bluestone, and I don't remember who else. Yeah. And then I realized how actually this useful is and interesting. At the beginning, we were talking about different topics, but nowadays it is mostly focused on artists so this is why i'm not uh often coming over there because you know it's it's crazy time consuming for sure but if you're an art you if you're an artist or you you want to be uh involved in this industry in that way this is perfect place to be and yeah. what i don't uh let's say like it right now about it it's uh those crazy hypes speaking of nft which actually BT started, I think. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, it is. I always, you know, those notifications come like um, NFT there and the NFT here, you know, just jump in. I don't want to jump in. <laughs> well, listen, I mean, there's a lot of NFT stuff going on at the minute, but really, it's really early and not a lot of people know about NFTs and it's non fungible exactly. tokens. And, can, can you um, please explain a little bit, just a little bit, what it Yeah, I mean, represents? it's. it's Absolutely. And, um, you know, I'm studying it myself at the moment, but it's basically, listen, it's a great way that can um, help artists out in the future because, you know, it's a, it's a way artists can make money um, to fund their projects, you know, themselves by creating art and selling them as NFTs. So it's a, it's a great thing that's going to happen it's it's very early and i don't think there are any experts on nfts at the moment it's so early but i think this whole nft movement is going to be spectacular for artists and i think moving into the future it's just a way that you know if artists in the past have felt they've got short change from people like spotify and apple and everything it's the time where they'll actually be able to get their worth for their music and their art so i'm all for supporting artists and creators 
getting paid the money that they're worth, you know, and not being kind of shortchanged by other kind of areas in the music industry. So I think if you are a musician, you should definitely just go out and just start learning and just find some, you know, stuff about, you know, on YouTube about NFTs and just figure out what they are and keep one eye on it because, um, you know, it could be something you could do. It's like, you know, this is what I teach my students. You, you know, you don't just have to be a songwriter or an artist. You could be an F NFT artist as well. And you can, you know, you could make money from doing that as well in the future. So there's so many opportunities in the music industry right now. And I think, you know, NFTs is one huge opportunity for all musicians and artists. And you should not ignore it. Okay. Even you. <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm not an artist, so this is my right. <laughs> But artists out there, uh, go and check it. I kindly advise you because it's really crazy. I mean, and I think it's it's future of art. So do that. Uh, okay, so I realize you like cooking and I realize this thanks to Instagram, <laughs> of course. Yeah. Is there any specific hobby or interest you have in your life that you um, focused on a lot more during the pandemic? I think definitely, you know, I mean, I, I did focus a lot of time on the academy because I had more time to work on the academy. But outside of work stuff, when I did have, I did get more into my cooking. Um, absolutely. Uh, because I started the beginning of lockdown. It was bad. I was like <laughs> drinking loads of beer, watching the news 24 hours a day. I had Domino's pizza on speed dial. I did that for like two months. I was like, right, that's it. That's enough. I can't go on like this. I've got to sort myself out here. Lockdowns, you know, COVID's not over. It's carrying on. We're just going to have to kind of get out of this rut. So I started really experimenting with, with cooking and, and, you know, well-being and, and healthy, working out and stuff like that. So I, I, the cooking one was was amazing, yeah. And uh, I love cooking so much. I love it so much. So I did put my uh, my <laughs> recipes on this from time to time. But yeah, I, not a lot of people know this. Um, but I used to want that was what I wanted to be. I wanted to be a chef when I when I grew up. I, when I was a kid, I wanted to be a chef, and then. Um, I realized that the hours were so unsociable, so I decided to, to go and work in an office instead. But I always wanted to be a chef. Um, I love cooking. That's good. Um, I wanted to ask you this, but you just said it. So well, now we know what you would be if you weren't an artist, <laughs> a musician. Yeah. All right. Um, so uh, your songs are um, also were part of commercial TV shows like Vampire Diaries. We all watch that. Frequency and blockbuster movies. Uh, how did it happen? You mentioned Disney as well before. Yeah. Are you still, I mean, are you still doing it? Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, sometimes you get a call from your publisher and they say, hey, you know, such and such probably want to use your track in a movie. And you're like, great, you know. Um, it's getting harder and harder to, to kind of, there's so much saturation. So there's 80,000 new songs released every day now. And it's a lot of songs. So it's, it gets a little bit harder to cut through the noise. But yes, it still happens. And, um, you know, it's it's nice when you get the call. Um, people want to use your, your songs in the movies. And, and there are people who just dedicate their whole music career to just doing music for sync and for, you know, for film and stuff like that. But that that's not me. But every so often I do get nice surprises. And it's, yeah, it's always nice. Nice. Okay, but what uh, is that you enjoy the most? You know, songwriting, singing, producing, uh, teaching. 
I think I, I think I like them all for different reasons, and it's nice to be able to cycle around the different things that I do. You know, like the teaching, like the producing, um, the performing, um, the writing lyrics. Um, but I think my ultimate favorite thing to do in the whole thing is um, it's got to be performing. You know, going on stage and having that energy from the crowd. It, it, it's spectacular, especially when you've written a song and you know the crowd is singing it back to you. It's such a uh, it's such an incredible feeling um, that you know I'm blessed to have that feeling as an artist. And, I'm, and you know, it, it, it's it, it's sad that I've not been able to do that the last eighteen months. But yeah, I'm excited to get back out because that is a that is a good buzz. It's great. We just need to continue hoping that this is going to be over pretty soon. So this is what we have, hope again. <laughs> okay. So what is your plan for the next period? Uh, what can we expect? Maybe a new album, some exciting collaborations. Please reveal me some interesting. Um, and hopefully BB Mark Tour, of course. Yes. Well, I've got lots of things going on at the moment. Um, I've got... Um, well, I suppose I can talk about it now, but I've got a track coming out with Ben Nicky. Um, Greg Downey coming out wow. called Always Soon, um, which was, yeah, it was actually in the um, group therapy, above and beyond group therapy 450, uh, group therapy 450, but that we're just planning a release date for that. So that'll be coming out in the near future. I'm working on a couple more uh, collaborations, which I can't talk about right now, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, I work, we're working on new BB Mac music, working on more All Hail the Silence music um, and also working on stuff um, for my solo album. And for, yeah, so I've got a lot of music going on at the moment, as well as doing the academy and working with everyone doing that is, yeah, it's busy. <laughs> so super busy as always. <laughs> yeah, it's really busy, but it's all good. Oh, and we're, you know, we're getting ready to launch the record company Cassette Recordings, me and BT. So there's that going on as well. But this is all stuff I've been working on for a long time. So it's just mm -hmm. nice when to come into a to a kind of you know uh, to the to the uh, you know the release and stuff. So it, yeah, perfect. Really looking forward to see what's what's gonna come next um, from your kitchen. Um, okay, uh, I have one thing to ask you at the end of this interview, um, and this track is from the year when I actually started listening to trance music. We're talking about 2010, and the name of this track is uh, "This Light Between Us." Uh, you did in a collaboration with Armin van Buren. And this is something really special for me. Um, and I need to kindly ask you, if you refuse, I'm going to kill you. I'm joking. Um, and e to sing a little bit of this track for me. Oh, you want me to sing? Oh, yes. right. Okay. Um, I think I have to do this now. I get so nervous doing it. But yeah, which bit do you want me to sing? Do you want me a bit of the, bit of the chorus? Mm, your choice. Okay. Can you see this light between us? Keeps me breathing through the storm. My head above the crowd. Can you see this light between us? So come a little bit closer now. It's in our eyes. It's in our eyes. Oh my God. <laughs> Thank you for this so much. Um, you have no idea how many times um, I cried listening to this track. Yes, I had to admit it. Uh, but it's not important right now. <laughs> what is important <laughs> is that we got to the end uh, of this show and I think it went nice. 
I hope you felt it was great. I'm, I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> thank you. And uh, of course, I want to thank you again for taking part um, in the, my show and letting me and everyone watching um, and listening going uh, to go uh, on this journey with you uh, into the music industry. Uh, I wish you great success with your music. Uh, the Academy, of course, and Bibi Mac. Um, um, and uh, basically, that's it. We're going to be definitely in contact. I'm going to be following your work. And I'm going to be updated for sure with, with new stuff that you'll be doing. So, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. And thank, thanks, thanks for having me on. It's been an absolute pleasure um, being on. And good luck with all this. I think it's great what you're doing. So, you know, any way I can help. You are very welcome. And thank you for kind words. <laughs> okay. Okay, uh, so music lovers out there, uh, please let me know how did you like this episode, but be gentle. <laughs> I'm joking. Feel free to share your thoughts with me. Uh, and if you like the interview, please click on the like button below this video, uh, leave a comment and share it with the world. Um, of course, if you haven't subscribed to the YouTube uh, Connected by Frequency channel, uh, don't forget to do it. Uh, this is really important. And you know what you shouldn't forget? that we are all connected by frequency. <laughs> Until next time, take care and have fun. Bye-bye.